Welcome to Stride, Organizing with Purpose, a podcast from Blue Feature. My name is Morgan Starr, and I'm the co-executive director at Blue Feature. Blue Feature envisions a world where no matter our color or origin, our income or zip code, desire and determination are the only things getting in the way of young people's ability to push for a transformative and progressive agenda. We are on a mission to inspire, mobilize, and invest in young people across race and place to organize for a brighter tomorrow. The determined and passionate voices of young people deserve to be heard. This podcast called Stride, Organizing with Purpose, is giving young people a platform to spread their ideas and share their work. This is an opportunity for youth leaders to practice your public speaking and messaging, to build confidence in our ability to talk to press and the media, and to share our collective vision of the brightest future. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Nick Guthman, and I'm one of the co-executive directors of Blue Future. We have a special guest, one of Blue Future's former organizers, Christina Williams, joining us today. Christina, where are you in the world, and how are you doing today? Hey, everyone. I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm doing pretty well today. How are you all? I'm doing pretty well, yeah. We just had a nice holiday weekend, and we are enjoying the day. Excited to talk to you. Would love to hear a little bit more about what you've been working on recently and, you know, what brought you into the world of activism and politics? So I'm going to answer that question backwards, if you don't mind. I think that what really brought me into the world of activism, specifically in politics, it was really an accident and it stemmed from curiosity. Just over a year ago, summer 2020, I had a question that I could not answer and I could not shake. And it was, why is no one talking to our students about the upcoming election, which was the November 2020 election? At the time, we were completely remote, completely virtual. For context, I'm a college student at Clark Atlanta University. That's an HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia. But we were completely remote. Everyone had just been sent home and we were all disconnected. And of course, the election was approaching, but no one was talking about it. My professors weren't talking about it. My classmates weren't talking about it. No one was registering students. No one was talking about the census. It was just silent. And I couldn't understand why, especially because this would be the first presidential election that a lot of us were eligible to vote in. And so I started to look around at different organizations that work with college students on civic engagement and voter registration. And I just decided to start talking about it myself. One thing led to another, and now I'm pretty much stuck in this space. What I'm working on right now is really building on the momentum and the coalition that we built last year to organize around the local elections that we have coming up in Atlanta this November, because every year is an election year. Our entire city council, our mayor, our school board is up for election. And so we are again trying to register students and get students informed on the candidates that are running and just make sure we have a good turnout. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I think a lot of people start their time with activism and start being interested when they do have a concern. They have a question, as you put it, a curiosity about, well, why is the system working this way and and what can we do about it and how can we make it more fair, more just, more equitable and accessible? And I really also just want to say I love what you said about every year is election year. And if if all of us young folks understood that, I think our country would be in a much better place and we have to continue to build our identity as voters and establish ourselves as a voter every single year, every single election. It's because of leaders like you who are helping make that happen. 
I have a I have a question about one thing you said in particular, which was trying to bring a coalition of student organizations together. I wonder if you might shed some light on how other students at their schools might be able to do the sim a similar thing. And what did you learn from that? What were some challenges in trying to bring people together? What were some strengths and opportunities? Just wonder if you can share more about the coalition that you were able to build at your school. Yeah, so in my experience, it was really starting from scratch. I did say that no one was talking about this particular election, but it also turned out that there was really no framework for civic engagement at my campus, which also really bothered me because I attend an HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia, which was steeped in the civil rights movement. So it didn't really add up to me that we didn't have that. So it was really starting from scratch and learning as I went. I think that for anyone else who's interested in it, first, see if someone is already doing it. That's something that would have helped me a lot. But if there isn't someone already doing it, then start by just talking to people. I've met one-on-one -on -one with the president or leader of every single student organization on our campus. And I talked to them about what I was doing and why it was important, but I also listened to how it could fit into the mission of their organization, how it fit in with the culture of their organization, the interest in what their members cared about, and then I tried to relate them together. And what I did after I met with everyone was really simple. I just put a contact from each organization in a group me, and then I would share information about the election, different deadlines that approached, events that people could go to, times where people could meet candidates and things like that, just for them to share with their members. And my thought process behind that was, I can't personally talk to every student on campus and every student on campus doesn't know me or trust what I say, but they'll trust what comes from an organization that they're already involved in. And so I just wanted to share information through sources that different students already trusted. I think that another thing is important to be inclusive so I didn't just reach out to the political science organizations. I reached out to art organizations, STEM organizations, pretty much literally every student group on campus, student government, student athletes, everything, because civic engagement in politics affects us all. All of our issues matter, all of our concerns matter, so you wanna be inclusive of that. And I think the last thing, stay in touch and follow up. Don't just build the coalition, reach out, while the election is happening, like I've kept in contact throughout the summer with different opportunities, internships, things that are beneficial to everyone so that it's not just me asking, hey, can you tell your members this once a year? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, follow-up is such a huge part of organizing and something we really try to make sure our organizers learn and understand and, and do as they're organizing with Blue Future, but wherever they're organizing. And I'm curious, as you were going around on your campus and reaching out to these different groups, what was the reaction like? What were the issues that people cared about most? Okay, I think the reaction of a lot of my peers was definitely a little hesitant at first. Normally, when I talk to people my age about politics, they don't feel like there's a space for them in politics or they don't feel like their voice really matters. But I think what was really important, again, was the listening. And I think one of the major issues that I heard was just wanting to feel safe in our country. Like I said, with the context of everything that was going on last summer, I think that, again, attending an HBCU, a lot of us just didn't feel safe. And I think that kind of relating the election 
to how that could change the way we can move, really, the way we can exist, I think that that helped a lot of people recognize their power in this space. Thank you for sharing that. I think there's such depth in the reality that how people were feeling, how young people were feeling, how Black folks were feeling, how Latino folks were feeling, and folks across BIPOC communities in summer of 2020, which was such a pivotal time to organize and also such a difficult time to organize because of the pandemic. But the the part you say about people recognizing their power, you know, recognizing that as folks, especially now, fast forward a, a year later, how how hard the other side is trying to stop us from voting, from making it to making it harder for people to vote. I wonder if you might share a little bit more about, at least for you personally, what it means to recognize your power and how you hope to continue sharing that with others in your community, with other friends at your school and beyond. Because I think at the end of the day, the role of an organizer and the strength of a, of a very good organizer is to give people that sense of their own power. It's because the other side, the, the society doesn't want us to know our own power. And so it's on people like us, organizers, leaders in our communities and at our schools to give people that sense of their own power. So for you personally, what does it mean to step into your power and how do you hope to share that? I think that the first part of recognizing your power is understanding that people are making decisions on your behalf every single day. And those decisions are going to be made whether you weigh in or whether you don't. But it's always in your best benefit to weigh in and have a say on who makes those decisions. Elected officials are only accountable to the people that they hear from, the people that they see, the people that they know. So if you never tell someone that you have a problem, they either don't know or they know and they don't care. So I think part of recognizing that power and using it in organizing is using your voice and letting people know that you have a problem and being consistent in holding elected officials accountable and also just being a part of those decisions. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really great point, Christina. And I think we saw that, especially in Georgia, where people really came out to hold people accountable and elect two Democratic senators which was so incredible. And I think that was because of exactly what you're saying. People wanted to make their voices heard and hold people accountable, just so important. And so throughout throughout your college experience, I know you've had a lot of experience interning and, and working in different organizing spaces. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your work with the ACLU of Georgia. And could you share a little bit more about what you do there around voting access and voting rights? Yeah, so a lot of what I work on with the ACLU of Georgia is research. We have a partnership with the New Georgia Project that is called the Georgia Peanut Gallery. And this is where volunteers from across the state of Georgia attend their county's Board of Elections meetings. And for people who don't know, your Board of Elections, that's the group of people who make decisions about polling locations, how many are open, how to staff them whether they're moved or closed, a lot of things that affect voters come election time. So we have volunteers that attend the Board of Elections meetings in their counties, and they monitor if there are any decisions made that would negatively impact voters. For example, a polling polling place being closed or being changed um, very close to election time. And so once those volunteers send in their notes, 
myself and the other interns, we write up ballot access reports. So we take their notes and we combine it with our own research to see exactly how many voters would be impacted, voters in which counties would be impacted, how much time in advance were voters notified of these things. And eventually those ballot access reports are integrated into the ACLU of Georgia's organizing plan or their legal strategy if any of those things happen to be illegal or they turn into something a lot bigger. Another thing that we worked on a lot this summer is redistricting. So we all know that redistricting is a process that happens every 10 years where our county lines are redrawn and that impacts, again, where we vote and which elected officials are responsible for our districts. And so we worked a lot on researching and looking into what districts were cracked or packed And one of the things that we discovered is that most, if not all, of the HBCUs in Georgia are in split districts, including the Atlanta University Center, which is where I attend school. So we that's being integrated into our strategy, which I can't say a lot more about right now, but we are working on that. And also, we testified at each of the public town halls on redistricting held across the state of Georgia this summer. I testified at one myself. That was my first time. I was only HBCU student, so that's something that I'm working on personally, is getting more students involved and aware and active in this process. You're listening to The Stride Podcast from Blue Future. We'll be right back. When Governor Greg Abbott signed Texas Senate Bill 8 into law, the reproductive rights of individuals throughout the United States were put in jeopardy. Every individual deserves the right to make decisions pertaining to their reproductive health without government intervention or fear of retaliation. Bills like these that seek to restrict reproductive freedom and criminalize abortion disproportionately harm communities of color, low-income communities, and gender minorities. Reproductive rights in America are under attack, putting the freedom and health of many at risk. The stakes are high, but you can do something to join the fight against these attacks on healthcare. To learn more and find ways that you can make a difference and take action, visit prochoiceamerica.org or aclu.org issues reproductive freedom. That is prochoiceamerica.org or aclu.org slash issues slash reproductive dash freedom. Stand up today for reproductive health care, bodily autonomy, and freedom for all Americans. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Stride Podcast with Blue Future. Today, we are with one of our previous organizers, Christina Williams, who is leading some incredible work in the state of Georgia. Christina, we really appreciate all that you've shared so far and all the work that you've done thus far in your community. And I wonder if you might talk a little more about what you see for yourself and for other young people in the future and how you want to continue to shape our ability to vote and shape policy outcomes and make sure that our democracy is stronger for generations to come. What, what do you have your hopes and dreams set on in the future? Yeah, so personally, my hopes and dreams are to become an attorney, and I'd really like to work in impact litigation at a nonprofit like the ACLU of Georgia or the National ACLU or the Lawyers Committee, any of those that have a focus on voting rights litigation. 
hopefully, eventually, I'll be able to put myself out of a job. We won't have to have these lawsuits anymore, but that doesn't look like it'll happen anytime soon. So that's my short-term plan. But on a larger scale for our generation altogether, I just hope that more of us, like we talked about earlier, recognize our power. I think that throughout history, no matter what generation is the young generation at the time, there's always a stigma of being disengaged or being apathetic. And I think that people are starting to realize that that's just not true anymore. We've never been apathetic. We've been intentionally silenced. And I think that now a lot of us are starting to do away with that. And I just hope that that continues. Yeah, I think you're you're right. A lot more people are starting to realize that because young people like yourself and like millions of others are making their voices heard more and more. What would you say to those young people who are still hesitant to get involved or share their opinions, whether that's on social media or at their campus or with their parents and their friends? What advice do you have for those young people? Truthfully, my only advice is that it just doesn't hurt to try. Like I said earlier, the decisions are going to be made either way. We're going to face the repercussions either way. I think at the least, it would help us all to just try. You don't want to have anything left unsaid, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, we couldn't say it better ourselves. And we know that uh, for any of the folks that, uh, you know at the ACLU who are listening, we've got some, some strong talent who's ready to make a difference and, and hope that, Christina, you continue to lead in all the ways that you are and know that we are, of course, always here to amplify your work, support your work, and make sure that others can be involved with it. We do have one final and special question here on the Stride podcast that we think is important to ask so that we continue to hold a vision of a bright blue future near and dear to us as we continue to organize. And the question is this, what would it feel like in our communities and in our country and in the world if everyone could be truly free? What would that mean to you? What would that look like? I'm going to take my shot at this. I hope it makes sense. But I think that would look like a world or a nation where we wouldn't have to constantly fight for things that we're told were guaranteed at birth. We would not have to constantly argue and defend constitutional rights. They would just be rights for everyone. I think, like I said, it would be a place where I'd be out of a job. All organizers, we'd be out of jobs. We'd have to find something else to do because we wouldn't have to constantly struggle for things that we should just have on a grand scale, whether that's voting rights, civil rights, anything else. Um, I also think it would be a place where everyone just feels safe to exist as they truly are. No one has to hide. No one has to live in constant fear. We can just live and be safe and express ourselves and enjoy our constitutional rights. So that's a pretty broad answer, but... I think that encompassed everything. Totally. We know it can be a difficult question to imagine what that world looks like, but it is ultimately the world that I think most young people are in search of and that hopefully with time, with effort, with a lot of good organizing, we can get there, can get there in our lifetime for, for the next generations ahead. Thank you so much for sharing and for taking the time to share a little bit about your story and what you're working on with our listeners today. We are so excited to see where you go next and, and all that you, you know, will accomplish and all the other folks that you will continue to bring into this moment. Before we go, is there anything that you wanted that you still wanted to share or share anything about your organization where they can check it out and things like that? 
Yes, you can follow our coalition CAU Votes on Instagram at CAU Votes. You can also follow me on Instagram at thepeoples.politician. Fantastic. Well, Christina, again, thank you so much for joining us. I was smiling as you were talking about your vision of a truly free society. And I do believe that if we hold on to that vision collectively and work toward it collectively, I believe that we will get there and it will be because of the tireless efforts of young organizers like yourself doing the work day in and day out and making the progress possible in our communities. And it starts in our classrooms. It starts at our schools. It starts in our towns and cities and it continues to grow from there. And we're so fortunate to get to have worked with you in the past and we're excited to continue doing so in the future. So everyone make sure to follow CAU Votes, make sure to follow Christina, and we will look forward to the next Stride podcast. And thank you so much for listening today. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, whenever you're listening, wherever you may be. Music for today's podcast was created by my good friend, Eli Silverman Lloyd. Thank you so much for listening today. This is the Stride Podcast with Blue Future. If you're a young person looking to get involved in politics and organizing, you've come to the right place. Check out our website at, at ourbluefuture.us or our social media at Blue Future Now on all platforms to find out how you can make a change in your communities today. Special thanks to our producer, Alexia Klein. You can reach out to her with any questions at alexia at ourbluefuture.us. We'll see you next time.